Hey everyone, welcome to JCV Art Studio, season six. My name's Joanna. For first time listeners out there, um, I'm the author of The Unraveling, Dealer's Child, and Spy Girls, which is coming out in March. Today, oh, these podcasts are so cool. I have a really cool guest. Her name is Kaylee Boisvert, and we're going to talk about money, and in particular, her two books, Money Wise Mabel's Bursting Bank, which is a children's book, and then also her adult book, Make Money Your Think. I have to read Kaylee's bio here. Uh, she's been in the financial industry for over 15 years. Her love of money started very young. Growing up in a single parent household, she watched her mom struggle with finances and wished there was something she could do to help. Around this time, she realized she needed to find her own way to save and earn if she wasn't going to allow her circumstances define her, which is so important. And so her own journey to financial literacy began. Kaylee is a single mom and fi a financially independent woman. Uh, she is called to support women in their financial lives. She felt a pull towards this career. Um, and she's an advocate, an advocate to pursue like her personal goal is to be an advocate for women and their money, which led her on the path to becoming a financial advisor. Uh, her book, Make Money Your Thing, it's, um, it's really interesting how she talks about money and goals and financial goals and how she writes it. It's interesting how people can, you can have Two people talk about the same topic and you can come away from one and be totally confused and you can come away from another and go, that makes so much sense. <laughs> okay. And Kaylee, your book makes so much sense. And I am rubbing my hands together. I Let's start this conversation. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I love hearing that because that's the goal. Like I want to make it more accessible for everyone. And in the financial industry, we can overcomplicate things sometimes. So hearing you say that, it just like makes my heart happy because I'm like, yay, that's what I wanted. Well, there were so many examples and I'm going to try. I don't want to get off my little, my little, uh, I don't, I want to say lesson plan. I don't want to stray too far off my notes. But there you write a scene where a couple goes into a bank and an uh, I think it's a bank and they see a financial advisor and the the gentleman who's the financial advise, advisor sits down gives the pamphlet to the husband starts directing everything to the husband and the wife is trying to edge forward and edge forward and trying I've been there. I've been there. And uh, so that leads to my, my question here. Just this weekend, I was at a neighbor's house for dinner and Taylor Swift came up. And one of the gentlemen there said, you know, she is worth a billion dollars. And it was like this awe, this astonishment. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, power to her, right? Mm -hmm. Go, go, right? So 
do you feel some that sometimes that there's still this stereotype about successful women and money? I think so. And I think it's like ingrained in all of us. Cause I remember I was in some sort of, I can't remember what the program was, but they asked us like close our eyes and like, what did we envision as like success and wealth? And like, what did we see? And like, I literally had an image of like a dude who was, you know, an older guy and, and that is what was coming to my mind. So it is so ingrained in us. I think that we have these beliefs that, yeah, it's, you know, men, it's like they're ambitious and there's this like whole, like they're supposed to make a lot of money and they do. And, and, and it's like, we're, we're catching up and that's changing. And yes, all the power to Taylor Swift. She's so talented and it's amazing how she is this creative genius, just, you know, work and she's working hard for what she's doing. So let's acknowledge that. I'm like, holy man, she goes out there and performs and, um, and puts on an amazing show. It looks like so, I think it is. We're like really, you know, it's so ingrained in us, these beliefs that I really hope it can change. And that's why I wrote the kids book, Money Wise Mabel. And I purposely made the character a little girl learning about money and finances so we can have little girls start seeing, you know, themselves and women as successful and, you know, financially empowered and serious earners and smart investors. Like that's the image I want us to have. And I want little girls to have for themselves, but I, I'm the same, like I am, you know, the default is I go to that, which is unfortunate. Yeah. And if Taylor Swift's not your jam. Um, Rihanna, and I that's who I thought of because you talk about money awareness as well. And I had read an article that Rihanna knows basically where every cent of her money is being spent. And I'm like, good on her. So, okay. So starting with your nonfiction adult book, Make Money Your Thing. I love the cover, by the way. <laughs> what what are some of the concepts that you discuss in there? Yeah. So like at the beginning, I take the reader through some of the inner work because I think that lie like is the foundation of everything. And so starting with the inner work, we have to work on some of our money beliefs and the mindset piece. Um a lot of the beliefs we have about money come from our childhood. And it's almost like they were just given to us by parents and people we're hearing and seeing. And so you don't really get to form those beliefs by yourself and you take them on. And then you find yourself like sounding like your parents oftentimes when you're talking about money. And so taking readers through that, because, you know, let's question those beliefs. Let's question if it's even yours, if you actually even want to take it going forward, or if you want to change those beliefs to something more of your conscious choosing. So the inner work is kind of where I start at and wanting people to really believe too in the possibilities to get them kind of prepped for what's to come. I I want them to see money from a place of possibilities. And I kind of take them back to childhood when we sort of did, we were able to see things from more of a place of possibility and less of a, you know, I can't do that because of this, this, and this, and this. Um, So that's sort of where I start the reader. And then from there, it's just all about building confidence. And the reason I do this journey of building confidence is because, you know, for me, the financial professional, I'm like, okay, I see what people need to do, right? You know, you just need to do this, 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 and you're good. And it seems so simple and easy to me, but what I'm seeing time and time again is people aren't 
doing the steps. Like you can even tell them, you can outline it. You can put it on a piece of paper and say, just do this, 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 and they'll go away and they won't do it. So there's something missing there. And I think it is that lack of confidence. And so by building confidence, I'm hoping that by the end of it, people are more inclined to take that action, um, to do the thing. So I take the reader on this journey of building confidence. So by the end of it, again, you feel like money is your thing and you're ready to do stuff. You're inspired to take action. So, you know, and women are guilty of saying these phrases like, I'm not good with money. I'm not good with math. I'm not good with numbers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just that, that confidence journey, confidence building. And I do that by saying, okay, you know, you're, you got to be open to learning. And I take the reader through, you know, what that means. Cause I think as adults, we're kind of think that we're sort of set in our ways and we can't learn new things. Of course we can. Um, and a lot of these concepts will be new because you haven't learned them when you were younger and there's not a lot of attention paid to financial literacy, unfortunately. Um, and hopefully that is changing as well. Um, and then know your numbers. Like you have to have an awareness of, like you said with Rihanna, where your money is, where it's going. When people say, I have no idea what, where all my money goes. Well, guess what? There's tangible evidence yeah. to where all your money goes. It's on the statements, unless you pay for everything in cash. But I mean, even it still is kind of like, you know what money comes in. So there's tangible evidence to know. So you just have to take some time with that. And then that's another concept, spending time on your money. So we spend so much time earning money. How much time are you giving back to your money? So I talk about going on a money date where you're dedicating like focused time to your money. And then by the end, I'm kind of like wrapping it up with saying, you know, also it's not just about money, which is, you know, silly. The whole book is a money book. And I'm like, but it's deeper than that. It's more than just the numbers. It's about your values and what you're trying to achieve. And I think women can really get that. Like, it's not, you know, we're not just going after money for the sake of money. It's usually like, you know, what you want to see for your family, that amazing family vacation you want to go on or for yourself. Um, you know, you want to invest in yourself or take this course or, um, you know, go to this new place or have financial freedom and, and just get to sort of live life a little bit more on your own terms versus feeling like you're, you know, working for an employer and always sort of stuck to that schedule. So, it's just going deeper into your values, because if you can understand what you really value, what you want, then you're going to be more inclined to direct your money that way. And there's going to be less of that money guilt showing up where you're spending money on things that you're like, well, I didn't really need that. Or I don't really want that. Um, and so that's kind of where I wrap up is kind of understanding your values and and then, you know, hopefully by that point, the reader's feeling like money's their thing. And at the end of each chapter, I give taking action steps. Cause again, that's my goal taking action. Yeah. yeah. And I, I try to make them fun, easy, something you can do like in that same sitting. Cause I know when you get those at the end of the chapter, sometimes you feel guilty if you don't do it, but sometimes they're overwhelming and you'd need to go get some supplies and things like that. So I try to make it where you can actually just do it. It's not overwhelming, but again, it's going to take you steps closer to, to doing the things and feeling better about your finances. So action is key. Like if anything out of this, if people feel inspired to take action, then I've done my job. That's what I wanted to do. Well, even this morning as a, when I was walking the dogs, I was thinking about this podcast and, uh, literally as I'm, I, oh gosh, I make my own mochas at home. I'm not even going to go down that road. Okay. <laughs> I make my own mochas at home, my own espressos. And 
I said I wasn't going to go down this road. But anyways, when I worked full time, you talk about awareness. Every morning on my way to work, I stopped at the local coffee shop. I spent about 5 to $6 on a mocha and went into work. And so then when you start adding that up five days a week, so what is that? That's like $30 times that by four weeks, $120 is gone just on coffee, right? So um, this morning, I said I wasn't going to go down this road. (laughs) Anyways, this morning, I don't work full time, okay? I'm retired now. And as I'm making my mocha, I'm thinking, okay, what am I spending my money on? Today, I have to get dog food. Okay, just like a little click, you know, and it's being aware, just being aware where it's going, right? Yeah. 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 Because when we're not, it can just kind of, yeah, like disappear so easily. And, and we have to make money decisions all the time. And I think it's harder than ever not to always be spending and buying things because we can buy things from our phone. You know, you can and rack up a purchase on Amazon within like two seconds and just be like, click, buy. Um, so it's, I think it's gotten harder and harder, unfortunately, yeah. to um, kind of resist those urges and whatnot. And a lot of it is like an emotional element to when we're spending money and why we're spending money. So you're right. If you can just be consciously aware, put some planning into it, you know, that's the best thing you can do. Yeah. Um, I had a client who mentioned she was such a good saver. And I was like, you're amazing at saving. Like, how do you do it? And she said, when she goes to the mall and goes to like stores, she doesn't bring her wallet. And I was like, well, that's interesting. And she said, yeah, because then, you know, she can really browse, look and see things and go away. And if it's still sort of like nagging at her a few days later, you know, I really want that and I really love it. And I know I'm going to get a lot of use out of her or whatever. Like it's still with her a few days later, then she will go back and make the purchase. But she says the majority of the time she never does. So I'm like, that's such a great process she's created for herself to just take a pause and it works for her. And I think that's something that would probably work for a lot of people. Like how many of those like instant purchases are we doing where we look back and we're like, I probably didn't need that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've made a rule now. Um, I am not to look at, go on Amazon. It's always the books and look at the books late at night because I have been so guilty of buying books late at night, you know, off my phone. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And so I know it's so easy. I'm yeah. the same. And take me to a bookstore. Oh my goodness. Oh, and gosh. my daughter, my daughter brings me back to reality. She's like, Mom, finish the books you have at home first. And I was like, okay, there, Ivy. And I'm like, good point, though. I do yeah. have like books in every crevice of yeah. my house that are, you know, started or not finished, or I can, yeah, finish those first. So she gives yeah. me a good, good thing to think about and she keeps me in check. I will well, I will remember that, Ivy, because I'm just as guilty. <laughs> yeah. You have this, I call it a golden quote in your book. It's when you're a child. And this hit me because I have a, a kind of a similar thing happen to me. Uh, you don't get the Barbie dream house. Mm-hmm. And Sammy does. Okay. And you're trying to comprehend why. And you write. In that moment, having less than others took on a much deeper meaning about me. I now saw it as a characteristic or quality that described me. That's a mic drop moment. Do you want to like expand, expand on that? 
Yeah. Like, I think people don't even see the impact that I think poverty can have on a person until like I lived it and went through it and know from that experience, but it becomes like almost like a quality about you that you carry with you. And yeah, in that moment, it was like feeling like I wasn't enough. I wasn't as, you know, you're not as special or you can't have the things that other people have. And you begin to think like, then it's something was wrong with me. Cause why do these other people get it? Cause as a child, you can't make sense of, you know, well, this person went to school and got a good career and did that. You don't know all that stuff. Like all you're seeing is, well, they're getting stuff and I'm not. And, and so I think we need to really acknowledge that. Like there's a level of almost like shame that can be underlying with money and we can call it like money trauma um, for a lot of us. And, and that can come from like good or bad upbringings with money, some of the stuff you learn, but it's like this very deep ingrained. And again, you're taking on these beliefs as a child when you're trying to make sense of things. And it doesn't make a lot of sense because you don't know all the factors truly and to understand them. So you're just working with what you can know and understand. And and yeah, you know, being poor, not having as much starts to become, I'm not enough and I'm not as much. So that's that inner work we have to do because we have to let go of that. Like, I think that worthiness factor for people, it's huge in all respects, but to know that like money, that you can tie your worth to your, your net worth. And that's not the case. Like we have to take those two apart. We have to decide that that doesn't decide who we are because it's tough when even in adult years, we, we think we're, we have to earn it this much and have this much and it's never enough sometimes. And it, and then it becomes this, like, you know, you're always going to be chasing and nothing's going to be good enough. So again, like, can we just separate the two? Our worthiness is not linked to what's in our bank accounts and it doesn't define who we are. And, you know, knowing even that can solve a lot of problems, even with our spending, right? Because we're buying a lot of the things to say, you know, to show like, oh, I have this nice car. I have this amazing, you know, bag. And it's the sign of like success. And then it's a sign of, well, this person is, you know, better than me. And I, I need to get to that point to, to be successful. And so it's really hard. Like we really set ourselves up for a lot of, you know, failure and like negative self-talk when we approach money that way. Um, so we have to do that inner work because if there is that, if you went through something similar and there's a worthiness element, um, there's going to be an impact to even like your future earnings and bringing in abundance and wealth. I believe there's that energy to it. If you're thinking you're not deserving. And so that's that cycle of poverty. I don't want people to kind of keep recreating that in, in their lives. So it's, yeah, it's so much deeper than money. It becomes, yeah, something very personal, which is interesting because it's not like money's neutral. Money's just this outside neutral thing. It's not good or bad, but we assign so much to it. So much like feeling and emotion. Oh, <laughs> oh that, yeah, you hit on so much there. I'm just thinking about the worthy and I have been I'm just thinking of examples of buying certain bags for myself and it is it's attaching it a worthiness to this object right oh okay 
and leading like connecting with that i have been exposed to negative you talk about this in your book negative household conversations growing up um and uh it's just you had said like getting rid of that mindset that you're not enough and and connecting that to money and and stress right yeah yeah okay okay so i like the examples you give i was reading about your client well i i'm sure the cha- the names have all changed and stuff like yes, that yeah yeah but the example of cynthia I, I'm Cynthia. Okay. <laughs> I've retired, and uh, like you said, just grained in me. Save, 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 save. Um, I remember one time we went to Costco, my spouse and I, and there were a pair of pants that I liked that were being sold for sixteen dollars. And when we were going up and down the aisles of Costco, I was looking at these pants and I was thinking, do you really need them? Do you really need them? Do you really want to spend $16? Which $16 sounds like not much, right? But I had this ongoing debate back and forth as, you know, and Costco is also a bad place to over overspend ben, for sure, yes. right? <laughs> so I ended up putting back the $16 pair of pants, okay? Um, and I also, I got a part-time job at a bakery for my peace of mind, thinking about what happened if my retirement funds run out. Okay. Just because I've been so safe, safe, safe. Um, Cynthia, it was like that, right? Like it's you, cause you also talk about just yeah i'm not even going to say anymore if you could explain a little bit about what cynthia was going through yeah so it's like the the mindset piece of the messages can be good like in in her case she was taught you know you save you diligently save 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 and it worked out well because it meant when she was let go at her like her career and she wasn't really keen on having to find something else well guess what because she had saved and done so well along the way been so diligent with saving she was okay to retire like we ran the numbers and you know based on you know how much she thinks she's going to spend all those factors um a lot of unknowns but you kind of you plan for those and and you run the numbers accordingly she was going to be fine. So it was like, hey, guess what? You don't even have to go back to work. If that's something you don't want to do and you just want to say, hey, you know, this is my retirement now. Let's go. That you can. And she was like amazed. And it was, she was so excited. And so it was like, yay, you know, go at it. And and I was, I kept kind of like prodding her as I was noticing, well, she was retired and she wasn't taking out any money. So I'm like, okay, you know, she probably had some cushions, some savings, and then we'd meet again still. No, I'm good. I don't need any. And and thinking that she should actually be saving more too. Like, oh, I should add some money to, you know, my non, my tax-free savings account or whatever it was. And and I'm like, well, no, like now you're kind of at the time where you're, you can start drawing the money. Like that's the point. That's why you've saved all along the way. And it was, it was like a couple of years in where I, finally like got her to like just baby steps and I'm like okay 
you know, this is where we're going to start. You're going to start taking this much money out. And, and she did it. And again, it pushed her into a very uncomfortable spot because she was raised believing you save, save, save money. So this is the exact opposite. And, um, so that's the funny side of those like money beliefs. Sometimes you, the ones you think are very like, that's fabulous. She learned to save. She got to save a lot of money. The downside was she didn't know how to spend it and didn't feel comfortable with knowing that she's okay to be spending money at this new stage in her life. So it's, and I can tell you it happens not, she's not the only one, like it's multiple women I deal with and you're saying you felt the same way. So it's, it's a common theme we have. And again, it's, it's a mindset piece we have to work on. I have people that are multimillionaires. Like it's, it's not to do with just the number because I have people that are multi, multi-millionaires and they still have that concern. So then we have to decide it's not just about the numbers. It's something else. It's a mindset piece where we're not giving ourselves permission. Um, we have a lot of fears coming up. So it's taking some time to address those fears. You know, what are those fears? Can you feel the fears? Look at them, decide like if we spend, cause fears we're always running away from, right? We know they're there and we're just like fleeing and like, you know, you don't want to deal with it when you stop and you look at the fear what is the fear you know the fear that i'm gonna like be living on the streets and da 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 because i can't afford like to keep up my my home or something like that then you have to see that's not real like that's probably quite far-fetched because you're like wait now even if you ran out all the money you probably have some family members or people you know and things like that so it's we have to look at them all and really decipher like is this real is this true and so it's it's some mindset work that you have to do in that stage and again like even with the mindset work i had to do about you know not having enough and the scarcity stuff I still have to work on it. It still comes up. So I wish I could say there's like an easy solution, you know, click, you're good. You you read the chapter. Now, you know, you don't need to do it. But it's it's more just kind of like some constant work, like when those thoughts come up, having, you know, deciding to, what, how can I change that? How can I look at this differently? What is a better thought? What feels better? Um, what's more accurate? What do I want to believe? And and have those moments. Like I do abundance meditations every so often when I'm feeling a little bit unaligned and things like that. So it's, it's constant work, but it, it does get easier when you're paying attention and when you're, you're not running away from it, when you're stopping and you're saying, you know, where is this coming from? what can I do? Like, how can I look at it and and decipher? Is this real? Is it not? What do I want to believe? So it, it's, it's tough. Like I get it because I've seen it with so many people. So again, there's not a quick solution, but knowing that, that you can change that by looking at it a different way, by shifting your perspective is huge, I think. Well, for me, for a second, we're going to make this about me. Yeah. <laughs> for me, what it was, is working for the provincial government for 33, 34 years. Every two weeks, you were get you you got that paycheck, right? And now I'm retired, and it's boom once a month, and it's it's like that's 34 years every two weeks, and then you're switching to once a month, and that's the fear of <gasps> this is going to run out, right? And it's it never does, you know, but it's, and it's taken me. And that's where that fear of, I don't want to touch it. 
you know, you know, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But knowing, I guess for people knowing that, you know, you could have $10 million and still feel that fear. It's that acknowledgement of then we have to deal with the fear, not the number because the number could be anything and you're still going to feel that way. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I feel that nobody likes to really, uh, or how do I, sometimes I feel with, I feel that being female, it's not, let's say, polite conversation sometimes to talk about money. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a male, you can, you can, you can, I don't know how many times I've, I have been in conversations and I'm not being, I'm not trying to be hard on guys. Okay. I just, and I'm, I'm not doing this as a brush stroke. Okay. I, I just want to make sure, cause I, I, this isn't, I'm not coming down on guys here. I guess I think of all the men who <laughs> were buying rockets and who were making rockets. And I'm just that I have a hard time wrapping my head around. Okay. So I think women, we need to talk more about money for sure. And that's why I'm really glad to have you Kaylee on this podcast. Okay. Yeah. Um, you write in the book, uh, three really good questions. And it's the questions are, how much money do you have today? How much money do you earn each month and year? How much money do you spend each month and year? Now, this is all part, and you say that not many people have the answers to these questions. This yeah. is all, is this, this is all part of money awareness, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what would be, would you suggest that even people just like, we can see our bank balances on our phones. Um, Just like maybe I'm, I'm so old school with pen and paper, like just making notes of things just like, yeah, I'm old school too. It's funny. So I like pen and paper. So every so often I will go through, like take a past month. Um, so say you take like August and you want to go through just all the expenses. So you're going to have to pull your like bank, you know, you might have to look through your online banking, your credit card. If you have a lot of different purchase place, like methods, that's going to, it's going to be a little bit more work for you, but just more papers or, you know, more of a scavenger hunt, making sure you're looking at each one. But so try to keep things simple. So this is an easy task for you, but yeah, just like simply like writing it down. Cause it's one thing to sort of just see it always go or to do that kind of quick budget in your mind where you're like, well, I spend this much on my mortgage, as much on taxes, this much on that. And you just kind of take the big numbers and you go, I probably spent this much a month. Um, so many people are guilty of doing that method and it's unfortunately like pretty inaccurate. So I just like, again, like you said, I grab a pen and a piece of paper and I go through and I write down every expense. Um, and you know, categorize, or you might aim for just the recurring expenses. Maybe that's maybe what you're wanting to figure out just to see if it's aligned with what you thought. And so you write them all down, add them up, and then you can actually see what that total is instead of doing that quick math of, oh, I probably spend about 3000 a month. Like it's usually quite a bit higher when you actually crunch the numbers because those little things add up. And then when you do that, you can kind of look at it and say, like, what is a need? Like, go through that needs, wants exercise that, you know, we teach, like, young people. It's like, is this a need when when your kid wants, you know, some fancy toy or whatever? And they're like, I need it. Yeah. Do you really need it, though? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
that is not the definition of a need. And then you go into telling them what is the need. Um, so you can look through it and you just get to, again, you get to consciously choose. If you look at it and you're like, I'm doing great and I love all the things I buy and I'm fine, then that's great. That's just like reinforcing you're on track. But you might look at it and go, oh, geez, I'm paying for the subscription. I never use it. You know, maybe yeah. I did the first two months. I don't use it anymore. So you cancel that. Um, oh, my insurance just went up. Maybe I can call the insurance company and see if I can bundle it with my other stuff to get a bit of a deal. That cost could go down. Like there's all sorts of things. And then you do that. And I find it's like, it's like spring cleaning for your finances. That's why I do it. Like at least kind of twice a year, I look through it because I always find things that I can cut out or change. And I do the math and I'm like, oh, I'm saving, you know, 150 bucks a month or 200 bucks a month. And that can add up to thousands of dollars. And for me, it's just like that money is better spent in the things I want to do. Like I love, I have kids and I love being able to go on vacations with them. And so it's like, well, I'd rather have, you know, that spare money going towards that or- saving up for their education or, or things like that. Like it's, again, you just getting to like put that money to use that feels more comfortable and in alignment with what you want to do versus like, Oh, I'm not even using that anymore. It's like, we're throwing our money away. And what kind of message is that sending? Right. So it's just like you said, just pen and paper, write it all down. It's like, again, spring cleaning. Is there anything you can switch change? That's going to make you feel better. Anyone who's done it, it shouldn't even take you that long, to be honest. I would say like 30 minutes, depending on kind of how complicated your life is or maybe how many humans you have to take care of or whatnot. But um, anyone who's done it, a lot of people have been motivated to do it ever since reading, you know, my book. And they've said, I'm so glad I did that. And it feels so good. And so it's just this like, it's an impact. It's coming from a place of empowerment instead of money happening to you. It's all of a sudden like you're in the driver's seat, right? And you're like, I get to decide where my money goes. That's another golden, golden quote. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, I have again, old school, my podcast calendar. So for instance, I could write down today what I spend on dog food. So I have a, a better idea of, and, and for me, it, it's seeing it there, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. Okay. Um, the other story, like I shouldn't say story, reference you use before we start talking about money wise, Mabel's bursting bank. And uh, it's about Francis. And you write, she was the first woman in her 80s that you've ever talked stocks about. But how was that? What was that like? It's so fun. It was such a good conversation. Like she was referred to me by someone. I can't remember what, but she had just lost her husband. And and I work with a lot of women who are going through, you know, divorce or have just recently lost husbands. And usually the conversation is very much like, they were not involved in the financial conversations. And so it's all new to them and it's stressful and it's overwhelming. And so in my mind, I sort of just assumed that was kind of where we were like headed the conversation, but like, oh no, no. Like she was so interesting and cool. And, and she had been, you know, learning about stocks. So it's her husband was really into the stocks and stock markets and 
And she just, you know, noticed that and he, she would always let him do his thing. And then finally she was like, you know what? Like she decided like, this is my money too. And I should know this stuff. And she never had the same like love of it as he did where he would, you know, like rush to look at the stock quotes in the newspaper when it was like, that's how it was presented and things like that. And, and she acknowledges like she never did like it that much, but she, she was just open to learning. She asked him to start, you know, explaining things to her. And as she just did that over the years, it just sort of like built up her knowledge and awareness to a point where she started, you know, bringing ideas to the table and they would discuss, you know, the choices and why they were buying certain stocks and what, you know, were their thoughts and plans for this money. And um, and it was so amazing because then she started chatting stocks with me and she's in, well in her 80s. And you're like, that's a generation where you know, women, again, were like usually not responsible for the finances, let alone like engaged in like buying and selling stocks. And so I was like, you know, at the end of the day, she doesn't need my help by any means, but it was just, it was a fun conversation. And it was so nice to see that. And that's the future, I think, right. And that's what's to come um, when we, when we allow ourselves to just kind of dive in be open to learning, be open to figuring it out. Like we can all be Francis. We can yeah. all figure this out. And, and again, it wasn't like her passion or dream or anything. And it didn't like overtake her life. It was just, she was aware that it's her money. She should know what's going on. She should feel confident in her decisions about where her money is going to and be in the know. And that's what she committed to doing. Yeah. And, and it worked out amazingly for her. And again, it was over the years, like I think that too, people get very overwhelmed thinking they have to pick this all up in a day or a week or whatnot. It was, it took some time. It wasn't instant, but it was just, it was so fun. Like I do this for a living and I love this stuff and could talk about it all day, but I know people have lives yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they have a lot of other things and their own passions and hobbies that keep them busy, but just seeing like how, how she knew and was just, she got it and um, yeah, it just made me so like excited and hopeful for like, that is the future. Cause I, I know this is changing. I know women are interested. I know women want to know more. Um, I've learned that over the years at first, the industry was kind of giving me the vibe that, nope, they don't care. They don't want to know more. And that made me really sad. And that's how I kind of took it for a long time. But then when I went on mat leave with my daughter, I was like, you know, I need to test this theory. I've just sort of been taking it at at their word that women aren't interested. And so that's when I really leaned into just focusing on women, events for women, um, lunch and learns on just different investing topics for women, only women. And women came and it yeah. got more and more, you know, women were attracted to coming to these. And, and so that was that proof that I'm like, okay, women are interested. Like, it's just that sometimes we feel like we're on the sidelines. Sometimes we don't feel comfortable. So we have to make it more inclusive, more of a safe space for women to feel okay to come in, to try this, to try something new. That's a little bit, you know, it's going to feel weird and awkward at first, but that's fine. And that's to be expected. And so, yeah, I think like Francis is the proof of what we can all be with our money and, and with investing, like all women can get there. Um, and it doesn't take some sort of like special designation in finance or anything. Well, I know for me, it would be, it's a comfort level and I wouldn't want if it, and again, this is not, I'm not guys, I'm not, I'm not being negative towards you personally for me. 
I would have this feeling, and it's all me, my feeling, that I wouldn't want to ask a silly question in front of a male financial advisor. Yeah. Okay. Where talking with you, Kaylee, you are so personable. I would know, I would feel that, okay, I can ask her this question and I won't feel like I'm asking a silly question. Okay. Um, For instance, I remember once an individual I know had mentioned that this person was talking about stocks. And I asked, well, how much money do you need to invest in stocks? And this individual said to me, well, you got to be prepared that you could lose $10,000. And I just thought, I'm not doing this. (laughs) So, yeah. That sounds terrible. Yeah. Yeah. We go off of what we hear and stuff. You're right. That, and, and it is uncomfortable and it's awkward, but it's not, I mean, I would say kind of block out some of the noise of what you're hearing. Cause it, it's kind of like when you Google, I always say it's similar to like when you Google your symptoms online and then you're like, Oh, like it doesn't look good at all. The prognosis when you start going down that path. So I think the same is with money. Sometimes those outer voices. And if you're looking online and things like that, you're getting sometimes like very, you know, extreme examples and and things like that. Like I think I see investing as it's customizable and there's something out there for everyone. And so it's interesting to me because it's like I get to know about the person and what their goals are and what they need. And then I get to like match them with an investment that like fits their, you know, it's like their style. It's like my own version of like styling, I guess, that that I get to find that and 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 you know match them up with that. So there's the world of investing, it's just massive and there's thousands upon thousands of things. So there's not just this like one size fits all or one answer. You're not just gonna guarantee you're gonna lose this much money. And and you're right, you don't need money to start. Like you can literally start investing with like five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks. Like it's it's very minimal. Um but I even felt the same way. And I talked about it in the book, like for the longest time, I felt like I don't belong in this space and, you know, I'd need to have more money to invest or, you know, men are generally the ones who invest and there's not really a lot of women doing it. And, and I had taken finance through university and, and I'd work, I was working in the industry and I still felt that way. So there is no such thing as a dumb question. And if you are feeling those ways, like it's completely justified and understandable. Yeah. It, it does take a little bit of diving in and a little bit of feeling uncomfortable um, to get started and get going. I'll be honest, but but men do it. And, and I'll be honest, they don't know more than women. Like men just seem to have a little bit more of the confidence to just go in there and, and go for it versus women. We have some sort of like imposter syndrome that shows up in the finance realm too of like, I need to know it all or understand it all before I can get started. And I'm like, that's the worst thing we can do though, right? Is keep pausing and holding off and being like, when I know this, when I have this much money, it's like, no, no, no more excuses. We have to kind of just dive in and feel a little bit uncomfortable for a bit. Yeah. Okay. We're going to take it to money wise, Mabel's bursting bank, which Every child should have this book. Okay. Um, I had a piggy bank as a kid. Uh, We didn't have an allowance. Uh, My dad, he'd reach into his pocket, pull out his change, put it on the kitchen table and say, you share that with your sister. Okay. Uh, And I had a little, it was a little house, wood 
piggy bank. And I wanted the Barbie camper. <laughs> so that allowance, those pennies. And I, I managed to negotiate a deal with my mom because I think the Barbie camper at that time was $20. And I said to her, if I save up half the money, will you help me buy this Barbie camper? So I saved up $10. And uh, I tell you, <laughs> if ever my dad needed a couple of dollars or change, I'd be like, stay out of my piggy bank. But I couldn't say anything, but I'd like. <laughs> so, um, and it, what I found just recently when I used to work at the bakery, uh, just, I don't know how old she was. I'm awful with ages with young people, whether they're nine, 10. She was in elementary school. She came into the bakery and she had her debit card and she bought, I don't know, $20 worth of baked goods on the debit card. And I I asked her, do you want the receipt? Nope. And and out she went. And I just, I, I thought, where do children have that sense of, like when I did, how important four quarters are? When you're trying to save for something, when you have you, you when when you don't see the physical, okay, yeah. So, um, talk to me. Can we give talk to me about Money Wise Mabel's Bursting Bank? What that book is about, and what we can do to help our children, you know, um, with education about money and bank cards. Take it, take it away. <laughs> yeah. I know. I think it's so powerful. Like, and it starts when you're so young. Like that was what I was kind of testing the theory because people in their financial lives too, it's like their biggest regret. If I have to share like, okay, what is the thing that people say, you know, that young people can take from it. It's like, they all say, I wish I started sooner. I wish I started saving and sooner investing sooner. And so I was like, well, how soon? And, and then in my mind, I was like, it can start really, really soon. Like my daughter was, I think five around the time I was writing this kid's book. And um, and so I was seeing her and she was like showing signs of just being terrible with money. I was like, Oh, what have I done? And, um, and I mean, you know, they're young, so they're just yeah. figuring things out, but that's what I wanted to experiment with is like how early, and you're right. I had like a savings goal around the age of like eight or nine and it was for a super Nintendo <laughs> and I didn't have a piggy bank. I had like a tin can and I hid it in my, um, I hid it in my closet cause we weren't in a great neighborhood either. So I was very much on the lookout for my cash. And, um, and I just remember how cool it felt when I was able to buy it. It took me probably like a year to save up for it. And just working away and you hardly have any like earnings potential when you're that age. So you're just doing like chores and things like that. And I don't know, it was like the most powerful and like cool experience. It's this like, I can do anything moment when I was able to like buy it all with my own money. And so I just, I want that for all kids because kids are still in that phase of like everything is possible and they can do anything and they haven't had some of like the life stresses come at them and all that like negativity. So they're just, they're so fun to be like, like we have this opportunity to start kids out with a really positive relationship about money. Um, and you're right. There's so much 
that can be said about like the tangibility of it and how that's going away where they don't even know what money is. Like Ivy was saying to me the one day, she's like, I want a credit card. And I'm like, a credit card is not like your money. It's, it's money that you have to pay back. Like you don't want one of those or it's, you know, you still have to have your own money. Like she thinks there's just some sort of like magical thing that dispenses money sometimes. So it's, it's just so important to start these conversations with our kids early. Cause again, it's like finance concepts. I see them like math concepts. They compound on each other. Like first with math, we learn counting and then, you know, addition and subtraction and multiplication and division. And, you know, then it's like the all the other calculus and complicated, like that all builds on itself. So same with money. Like let's start them really early. Let's just start by like a book like Money Wise Mabel, where it's like you're having a fun conversation with your kids about money and saving up money and what are you going to do to save up money and where are you going to put your money? And like it kind of goes on her journey where she fills up her piggy bank and she opens her first bank account and she learns what interest is like these are we can teach kids these things and I try to make it fun and it's what's so cool because I wrote the book thinking like this is maybe like a a one and done book because there's a lot of kids books that have that like you can read them every night but I've given a bunch of early copies out to a lot of clients I have that have little kids and and they say it's one of their kids favorite books and they ask to read it all the time and I'm like wow like not only did I write this kids money book I thought again I thought maybe I, I pictured it in like kindergarten classrooms and, you know, they go through it with their students or whatnot, but to know that little kids are reading it and reading it again, and then saying things like what they want to save their money for. Like one said, her son was like going to save his money up for some snorkeling gear. And I was just like, Oh, that just makes me so happy. Like that is the funnest feeling. I just love kids with money. It's the cutest thing in the world. So now you've just answered my next question. Cause I was going to say, if there were any sweet surprises that has come out of writing Money Wise, Mabel's Bursting Bank. So that sounds like the kids just, you know, and part of me thinks we should have it part of our education system. Yeah, I know. I want to get it into like schools. That's my goal is to really just get it out there. So it's like, I guess now I'm tasked with figuring that out. That's the life of an author. Like, how do I get it to the people I need to get it to? Um, Because yeah, I would love it being read in like, you know, kindergarten, grade one, like those are great years where they can just have that conversation in a classroom and then have kids start sharing, you know, stories about what they want to save up for. It's fun. Like I ask Ivy, we we were doing like vision boards together once and she was putting like these massive houses and things like that on hers. And I was like, oh, like what kind of job are you going to have when you grow up? And she's like, I'll probably work at McDonald's. And I'm like, <laughs> you need to get a little bit of more of a higher paying job. But it, it opens up those conversations where you can have those because that's how, you know, that's how financial literacy starts. If parents are thinking, I don't even know where to start. How do I teach my children about money? just have conversations with them about money. Just, you know, be real, be honest. Um, You don't have to share like every detail. I'm not saying that, but, but just, you know, answer their questions, ask them fun questions. Like I said to Ivy, how much money do you think people make a month or how much money do you think it costs to rent a house? Like just, you know, throw some trivia at them and see what they say. And it opens up a conversation for more. And that's, that's financial literacy, just having conversations with our kids about money. Yeah. Okay. So just wrapping it up here, what do you think the biggest mistake men and women 
can make when it comes to money? I think it's just the, it would have to just be like the avoidance, the procrastination, the like sitting on the sidelines, like hiding from your money, head in the sand, doing nothing, you know, all those different descriptors for maybe the same thing. It's like the, the inaction, not doing anything for your money. Um, women, I've come across women that are just like, have like hordes of money that they're sitting on. And, and even if you're not comfortable to invest, you're like, you could be earning more interest, you know, in a high interest savings or high yield savings account or something like that. There's just little things, but you want to take these actions for your money and like you deserve it. Your money deserves it. Like you have to stop deciding like that you're going to avoid this topic. It's one thing that you don't want to procrastinate on, like procrastinate on, you know, organizing your basement or something like that, by all (laughs) means do that. I don't care, but you can't with money. It's just because you're losing value when you do that. Then you're getting hit by like, you're, if you're, you're like, it's like you're socking it under the mattress and then there's inflation happening and your money's not even worth as much anymore. So procrastinate in all sorts of areas of your life by all means, but don't do it when it comes to money, make it a priority. Okay. Okay. So where, first of all, uh, pardon me, do you have a website? Yes. Okay. Just my name, first name, last name.com. So KayleeBoisVert.com. So it's K-A-L-E-E and then B as in Bob, O-I-S-V-E-R-T.com. So unfortunately, I have a very difficult spelling, but hopefully you can find me. Um, so it's KayleeBoisVert.com. And then I'm on you know social media, Instagram, same thing. My handle is KayleeBoisVert. Um, but anyone, yeah, anyone can reach out to me anytime. Uh, my books are for sale like online. They're in some bookstores, but if if they're not in your local bookstore, you can find it online on Amazon or some of the other online um, booksellers. So I will have your website in the show notes. Awesome. And so people can go to that website uh, to get, can they get, they can get the books from there as well? It has the links that will bring them to the different spots. Yeah. And if they want to get in touch with you for investment, they want to learn how they want to invest. Can they go to that website as well? Yeah. Yeah. And just fill out like the contact form and I'm happy to chat. Like I love having these conversations. So anything that comes up, if it's just a question or if you want to kind of delve into a topic deeper, let me know, reach out. I love to have these calls and conversations. Oh, wow. My brain's just, <laughs> I, um, this will not be the first time we talk Kaylee. Okay. Yeah. Well, Kaylee, what's next for you? What's, what's next for you? Um, oh, I started like an outliner just started last night on writing a book. I want it to be, um, more towards like teens and young adults. So make one of your thing. I feel like it is all ages, but I think like teens have a little bit different sort of worries, concerns. And it's like when you're just grown up and you start, it's like grown up and now you're like, what do I do? You're completely broke probably. And you want to know, what do I do? So that's my goal. I'm probably trying to cover like all age groups with these books. So uh, uh, a book about finances and money and uh, using money responsibly aimed at teenagers and young adults. 
Mm-hmm. Sweet. That's yeah. sweet. Excellent. Well, I am so happy for you. And Thank this you. has been, like I say, uh, reading your book, it is, it really, it's opened my eyes and it, it, it gets me thinking. So um, before we end off, I didn't do this in the beginning. I just want to give a shout out to listeners. I see you in Iowa. I see the numbers. Uh, a shout out to my listeners in Iowa, Virginia, Vermont, New Hampshire, uh, and the UK. You've popped my little map. You're, you've popped up on my map. And I also wanted to say welcome to Mexico and Kenya. That was a surprise. So welcome. And uh, Kaylee, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you everyone for listening in.